exit rounds. Awesome. Feel free to walk down the aisles. We don't be shy once we, once we get going. Uh, today, I wanted to look at, we've got two parts left in our Colossians series. We had a break uh, last week. We had some incredible moments together. I think you'll agree with three men preaching for the first time. And I heard so many incredible reports in the week ahead. Uh, I don't know if it was sort of also people just going like, Craig, we're just a little bit bored of you talking. So I don't mind for whichever reason, but uh, they were just incredible. And I absolutely loved it. Um, all men serving, and what I do want to highlight with those three guys, Dave, Dan, and Killian, already serving in background ways, serving in ways in church that nobody would see and nobody would notice, just faithfully following Jesus. And then when given the opportunity, even, for example, Killian, who has never spoken in front of anyone before, ever, um, yes, children, but that's about it, um, to say, sure, we'll give it a crack. We'll put in the effort and see what God does. And the Lord was so faithful. So they're just a great example of this room for, for everyone. Um, we, we say it often, but we just don't want to be bench warmers. We really want to be taking steps in our faith in whatever way we can. Uh, there's no neutral when it comes to our walk with God. We're either moving forwards or we're going backwards, but there's no stagnation. It's impossible. We, we do one or the other, so move forwards. So we've got these two uh, weeks left. It's been a challenging journey for many of us in this Colossian series. And if you haven't been part of it, please check it out on podcast or on YouTube. Listen to other ones that you missed. I had such an awesome conversation with a friend this week um, who had been saying, I've missed some, but I've now backtracked and I'm going through and I'm taking notes and I'm learning from it. We all need to be doing that regularly in our lives. But I want to start by saying often the words that we share or maybe words that we write during a significant moment or getting ready for a significant moment in our lives have great power. It could be that you're preparing for a retirement speech or you want to say something to your staff before you leave and retire. Or maybe it's a special occasion, a parent's wedding anniversary or a 50th celebration or something like that. And you take time and you take effort to get the words down exactly right for that special moment. Or it could possibly be words that you share with a family member is about to immigrate or leave the country and just as you give a final hug at the airport you just sort of whisper something in the ear or you say something and and it could just be something very sim simple but you know and they know that that sentence or those words carry great weight you'll remember them for the rest of your life so it could be a long thought out thing or something short but words have power you may have thought about the moment over many hours describing exactly how you want to get it out. I've had moments like that before. Or it could just be the overflow of love and emotion you feel for that person. But you just know that those words you shared then had greater weight than a normal conversation. You just know, and you just feel that. And so what we're going to look at today is probably words on paper that Paul, the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the Colossian church that he hadn't met yet, were words that he would have thought about and he probably would have rewritten and thrown it away and rewritten and thrown away because he wanted to get down something very important at the end of his letter. So that's what we're going to look at. He rounds out all that he's shared over these last weeks that we've looked at with some key take-home points right before some personal thank yous. 
And so as we go through these, I want you to take them from a man who is sitting in prison and he's writing a letter and he's done a lot about Christian life and who Jesus is and how you find faith in Christ and how you do marriage, all these things. But he's rounding it out going, if there's anything for you to think about as I close off this letter, it's these few short phrases. So we're going to read those together. And this is how it goes. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to uh, Colossians chapter 4. We're right at the end of this this beautiful book that we've been going through in Scripture. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen. And so this is what he says. He says them in the Colossians 4 verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer, how you ought to answer each person. So there's four key things we're going to look at today before we have communion together, which is, which is going to be exciting. So these are what we're going to look at. You'll see these four things. Prioritize personal prayer. Focus on God's kingdom. Live wisely each day. And speak life in every conversation. So we're going to look at these. First one, prioritizing prayer. And it says this, this short little bit at the top. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And Killian smashed this last week. So I'm not going to do a rehash because, to be honest, I don't think I could do any better. So I don't want to repeat anything that's been covered. If you want to find a more in-depth Look at that YouTube. But bottom line, how does all of what we've seen happen in the series in Colossians, how does everything about our marriages and our parenting and how we do business and how church operates and who God is, how does all of that come about in our lives? How does it set root and change us from the inside out? It's time with God. That is the, the greatest priority any of us need to have if we want to see life change in our hearts and in the external. If you'd like to grow in your relationship with Jesus, it's time with him. If you'd like to see a situation transformed in your life, it's time with Jesus. If you'd like to see a bad habit broken, it's time with Jesus. If you'd like to uh, get to know God better and, 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 and follow him and grow in it, as I said earlier, it's time with him. You see, we exist for a relationship with our creator. Whether you know God or not here today, whether you're exploring faith, or whether you've known him for a long time, you were created to have a relationship with the Creator. That's what you and I were made for. And so that is the ultimate priority. He's wider for us. And prayer is a two-way conversation that can happen day or night. But without growth in our friendship with God, we'll begin to lose joy, lack purpose, and live ineffectively. So if you're struggling in those three areas, you feel, I just don't have the joy that I think I should for life and situations. I don't feel like I have a purpose. Where's my life going? What's happening in my life? Or possibly just everything you do seems ineffective. It seems almost like you're pushing through doors and they aren't going where they should go. Can I tell you that more than likely the reason is, is God's trying to get your attention to spend time with Him. It's easy for that to get pushed out first in our lives, but spend time with Him. And this gets backed up in John 15 verse 5. It says, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, spends time with me, is connected to me and I am Him. He it is that bears much fruit. And this I want to get, whether we're Christ followers here today or not, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he's saying, yeah, sure, you can be busy. 
You can be successful in the marketplace. You can have loads of cash. You can send your kids to great universities. But if it's not with Christ and connected to Christ, it is absolutely ineffective. And that's scary. And that's challenging. And so spend time with Him. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you've never spent time with God. Ask us. Ask us those questions. That's what happens in connect groups. It's how we outwork our faith with friendship, with each other. Maybe praying for the first time out loud. Learning how to hear God's voice in your life. Learning how to not ignore His voice in your life. Those sorts of things we're there to help with. So please do get in touch. I think too, all too easily we forget that relationship with God is the most important cog in the wheel of life. And so we want to grow in those areas. Next point. Do you want to find out more? Check out Killian's sermon. Thank you, Killian. Stole my passage. I was pretty angry, but I asked God to help me forgive him. We've moved on from that. Second one. Focus on God's kingdom. Verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul could have wanted the church, because he believes in the power of prayer, Paul. He could have been writing this letter, and he could have said to this church he hasn't met, how many people were there. He could have asked them to pray for a lot of things in his life. He was stuck suffering in prison. He was probably malnourished. Maybe he was sick. He was probably getting tortured. Could have asked them for prayer to help him get out of a lot of issues. He had many churches that he was looking after across Asia Minor that he had responsibility for. He hadn't been able to see them. He hadn't been able to visit them. He would have felt that weight of responsibility. He would have had relatives and friends that he wanted to visit and connect with, to sleep in a normal bed for a night. But he only wants prayer for two things. He asks for prayer for two things. Look what he asks for um, in that verse over there. He says, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. So firstly, he wants God's word to get out into the world. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, God's word. Whether in prison or out, Paul just wants more and more people to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. He's sitting in prison. He's not saying that I could get out to share God's word. He's saying, it actually doesn't matter. I just want a door. Maybe it's a prisoner next to me. Maybe it's a God. I just want more opportunities to share my faith in Christ. Not for the Colossians to pray, as I said, that he gets out of prison, gets to relax, unwind at the beach for a bit head into the mountains, just have a nice chill. No, not that. Not that someone brings him this amazing meal whilst in chains, just that he would have more opportunities to share the life-changing message of Jesus. First thing he asked for prayer for. Second thing, that he would speak the truth of Jesus clearly and concisely, so that whoever he speaks to, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, so that as he declares what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, People would understand what he says. So opportunities to share and the people would understand what he has to share. He was utterly focused on God's kingdom. I wonder how many of us, if people come up to us or came up to us and said, hey, how can I pray for you? Oh, geez, man, well, business is pretty tough. And so I really need help and breakthrough there. And uh, man, I'm trying to book the holiday that I'm going on. But just the flights aren't working out. And I want the direct flight to Durban, not to Joburg because I hate Joburg. But those are expensive. So we're trying to juggle our times. And our kids have sports tour, and it's just not working in our calendar and our schedule. Those things aren't bad things to pray for. Pray for those things. We can come to God with anything. He's a great father. He answers those prayer requests. But what's our priority in what we want him to do in our lives? Well, Paul's was clear. What's the priority in our lives? 
is that what you and I pray for personally as our ultimate, is that what we ask others to pray for? It's about the Great Commission. It's why we're here. Jesus spoke to his closest friends in his final parting words, actually, and spoke to them and he just said, go into the world and make disciples, make students, make followers of me to the ends of the earth. That was his parting words. That was to be their focus. It's your focus and mine. Let's not let our prayers turn inwards to asking Jesus just to make our lives more comfortable when there's a world that's destined for hell and we have that outside. Let's not weaken our prayers. Let's not dilute them. Let's pray what matters most. This is not one of many options to pray for in our lives. This is the thing to pray for. This is what we live for. Everything else comes a distant second. And so, yes, talk to God about anything. He cares about the smallest details to a birthday present that you want to buy someone to where you should go for dinner because you want to take your spouse off for dinner to opening up a parking space in town because you hate going to town. He cares about those things. He's a great father. Ask him and you'll see him answer the most amazing prayers. In this book called The Heavenly Man, I would recommend it to anyone. Brother Yong, uh, the underground church and huge, huge persecution in China. He asked God for the most specific things and they came about. You can ask him those things, but just see what priority is in your life. It's why we're giving, as I said, to urgent needs, part of radical. It's why we give to open doors. It's why we give opportunities many Sundays for people to give their lives to Christ. It's why we do Churchwide Alpha, which we're starting in January. Can't wait. We want to see this hall full with people exploring faith and going through that course. It's why we're doing Christmas events, 22nd and 23rd evenings. We'll have tickets, which are free, but so that we can fit everyone in here, which we'll have ready for next week. But why do we do those sorts of things? So that God's truth. There are many in the city who don't know Jesus, many who are exploring faith. Maybe you're exploring faith here today. Let's keep our eyes outward. Lord, save us from cliques and inward-looking lives. Save us from, from church life and our communities being about just making sure I'm okay, my friends are okay. No, we want to be outward-looking, and unashamedly we'll be outward-looking as Hope Church. So focus on God's kingdom. Third one, live wisely each day. It says that in verse 5, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Friends, our lifestyles matter. Our lifestyles matter to a huge extent. They have an opportunity to draw people closer to Jesus or to push people away. So the question I want to pose to each of us today, are we living wisely when it comes to people who don't know Jesus? Are some of our actions and behaviors unhealthy? unwise and putting ourselves in places of compromise during the week we need to answer these questions carefully if you're a christ follower here today would it be obvious through your lifestyle in the marketplace on a friday night on a saturday night would it be obvious for anyone looking in to go no doubt i can see that person is different because that's what god calls us to does your life and mine line up with jesus as much as possible we're not going to be perfect but is that our passion and our desire? You see, globally, there's a, a huge shift away from vital parts of Scripture. Things like marriage and whether it's that important. Things like whether it matters if you keep yourself pure before marriage. Whether you, whether you choose to say, actually, we're not going to live together before we're married. Many churches around the world say it's not an issue anymore. Don't worry. The Bible says this, but, but it's okay. Everyone's doing it and they're probably going to get married someday. That's okay. It's not really a heaven and hell because hell's kind of uncomfortable to talk about because 
Because would, would, would God really send people to a destiny apart from him? Actually, God doesn't send people, choose to go. But the point is, Jesus is very clear. He spoke about hell more than most things. Money and hell, biggest things Jesus spoke about. Why? Because they have a real, uh, well, money can lead us to hell, can make us ineffective for God. And hell is real. I don't want anyone going there. I don't want any of you here going there. So we need to speak about these things. But, but, but we live in a world where that's changed where lifestyles don't matter that much. It's not the biggest deal to get drunk on the weekend. I mean, it's kind of just having a bit too much. You know, Jesus turned water into wine. So, I mean, surely if he turned water into wine, it doesn't really matter if I get drunk on the weekend. No, it matters. Why? Because if we're drunk, we don't know what we're doing. We aren't connected to God. We aren't setting an example for the king. These things matter. Our lifestyles matter. That's why it says live wisely. But why do we need to use our time wisely, particularly amongst those who are exploring faith? It's because time is precious and eternity lies ahead. Don't waste it on things that don't matter. Don't stand before Jesus one day and see thousands of hours and days wasted on things that are ineffective for his eternal kingdom. It's easy to do. We need to ask him those things. You see, time is the one resource we can never get back. It doesn't matter your wealth and mine. It doesn't matter our status in life. We can never buy or earn more time. We get money back. We get businesses back. To some extent, we can help get relationships back. But time, once it's gone, it's gone. And so we need to really make the best use of it. So price for or not, we can't get more of it. So what's the best way you and I can make use of it? It's on seeing people who don't know Christ make one step closer to Him. Best use of any time you and I can give the Great Commission, seeing disciples or students of Jesus made. So that's wise living. And I want us to think about that. Final one. Speak life in every conversation. It's a bit silent in here. Maybe I said some things that were a bit challenging. Which is good. We need to think about our lives. Because eternity is at stake. We need to think about these things. Last one. Verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul understood it. Jesus understood it. Our words have power. We know that song. That's absolutely not true when we were kids. The sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never harm me. We know it's actually the reverse. To be honest, our bodies can get hurt and they recover. But a lot of the time, words can be said to us and over us that we struggle to recover from. People carry, maybe some of you in this room are carrying things that were said to you when you were a child. Something that was said by a mother or a father or by a friend at school when you're five, six, seven, and still with you today. I'm going to pray to you afterwards that Jesus breaks that hold it has over you. But the bottom line is words have power for the good and for the bad. So we will pray into that, but there's power in words. Scripture says in Proverbs 18 verse 21, the power of life and death is in the tongue, and it's true. So what does Paul say are some of the key guardrails for you and I when it comes to how we speak, to the way in which we speak? Firstly, our speech should be gracious. What does gracious mean? Gracious means we get what we don't deserve. When Jesus says he pours out his grace towards us, it means we get what we don't deserve. So when our speech is gracious towards people, it means that we talk in a way to people that, to be honest, they probably don't deserve. But that's kind of the characteristics that we give. It means forgiven. It means understanding. It means kind. It means recognizing that we're all on a journey and in different places. It means coming alongside people rather than speaking down to people. 
if somebody, we think, and that's just quite an arrogant thing, but say somebody is struggling, it means that we get down of where we are, we get down to where they are, and we come alongside people, rather than standing up and going, oh, there's a problem there, you need to sort that out, you need to sort that out. It's different. That's what gracious speech is all about. So that's the first one, our speech should be gracious. Second one, it should bring life. Paul uses a similar example to which Jesus did during a famous sermon he did, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6. And interestingly enough, those two verses, a huge amount of society in which we live is built upon those. Whether people believe in Christ or not, what Jesus spoke there are considered to be some of the purest words ever spoken, the Sermon on the Mount. But, but Jesus said there about living a life of, of salt and not losing its flavor. Paul brings this in where he says over there, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. I was just thinking about this uh, as, we, uh, um, as, as I prepared. I was talking to Sarah about it. Salt does two things. Salt flavors and salt preserves. Two key things that salt does in your life and mine. We love to watch MasterChef Australia. Any other MasterChef fans? A few? Well done. The rest of you aren't living. But um, you can start living this week. Only MasterChef Australia. Anyway, we, we love it, and then it makes us eat more. And we have to exercise more. So, I mean, there's downsides to it, but... But um, we, we absolutely love it. So what do the chefs say all the time on every cooking show throughout the cook? Season, season, season. They just say this all the time. Don't wait until your guests have to put loads of salt on at the end. Season the whole way through the meal. Always be putting salt and pepper on. Get flavor into your food all the way through. And salt is a key aspect for that. So if our words are to be seasoned with salt, it means that they bring flavor. It means that they improve what somebody's life could be means that they improve our surrounds just by what we say. They bring a flavor to conversation, a flavor to our business relationships, something um, good to people's lives again and again and again, just as much salt does to our food. So we think about that. So firstly, that's what our speech should be doing. It should be bringing flavor. It should be when people have a conversation with us, they feel lifted. Oh, that was just such a refreshing conversation. That was just so different to whining about Zimbabwe, which I never, ever do. We had next-door neighbors. It's a Chinese restaurant that um, is usually closed at night, but they decided to have a karaoke get-together. I don't mind karaoke. In fact, I quite like it. But these guys, all eight to ten of them, could not sing in tune. And the microphone was so loud, it was like inside our bedroom. And I was just praying, Lord Jesus, it was terrible. Please help the thunderstorm to come. Please help like a power cut to come. Like, please. But then I just started going, please help them to sing in tune. Just please can they sing in tune. So I did go and have a conversation with the manager and stuff, but I like to think it was seasoned with salt, I think. It was, um, if it had kept going after that half an hour, it wouldn't have been seasoned with salt. But um, do our conversations drain people or do they uplift? They bring flavor to people's lives. And then secondly, salt preserves. It allows food that would usually rot to last for a lot longer than it usually would. It allows our food to be useful and actually enjoyable long into the future. And a great example for me would be built on. Could have, you know, salted fish and other things. But, but salt, particularly back in the day, now there's other flavors, but it pre preserves things where that meat would rot. But it preserves food. Our speech has the opportunity to preserve relationships, to preserve business organizations, 
to preserve people's spiritual growth, where there would have been certain death and rot, our faithful conversation can absolutely transform and make useful what would have been rotten and good to throw out. Just by the way that we speak, it can preserve and set things that would have been cast out. People's lives that might have been cast out. Relationships that might have been ended. Speech and our conversation can change it. So test yourself on this. We've got to do this often. Ask a spouse, ask a friend. Imagine if Jesus was with you in conversations. Realize that your speech and mine have dramatic power for good or for evil. So be slow to speak, quicker to listen, but let our words be flavor. The final little cameo in this one is our words should make sense. What we say as Christ followers should make sense, which is why he says there, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, sometimes, maybe you're exploring faith here today, or maybe you're new to faith, sometimes Christians can develop a language that is kind of unique to them and doesn't really make sense to anybody else. It's possible all the time, I call it Christianese, um, and we can do this. I mean, we can say things. I'll just throw this out. Like, you know, last week I was just slain in the blood of the Lamb. Or did you see that person get saved the other day? And somebody's like, what? Did like a car driving past him, in front of him, he quickly dived out the way. You know, guys, last week I was just dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Somebody, maybe you're here exploring faith and you're just going, I've heard that before. Or if I heard that, I would run a million miles because what is that person talking about? I mean, I just soaked in his presence. I just soaked. I got drenched in the presence of the Lord. I feel like it's pretty clear weather. Rainy season hasn't come yet. Does God speak to you through rain? Like, you know, how does this happen? I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing these things out there. I mean, are you, are you spirit-filled? Guys are like, well, I do drink quite a lot on the weekend. I take in spirits. But what are you kind of saying? What kind of spirits? Good spirits? Evil spirits? I mean, did that person get the infilling of the spirit? We can talk in weird language. And I just don't see Jesus talking like that our people. Just, man, I operated in the flesh last week. It's just so fleshly. I had that business conversation and, man, I moved in the flesh. Somebody's just like, you guys are cannibalistic. Um, We've got to run a million miles. So you can ask these questions. So there's people in their right mind. I mean, that's pretty weird. Does that, I've heard that person in business meetings and they don't talk like that. But why do they talk like that on a Sunday? Or I was at a braai and I'd invited a friend of mine who was exploring faith. And it was kind of scary, and there were eight other people who were Christ followers there, and they just went into this conversation that was weird. And my friend said to me afterwards, I'm never coming to a gathering with your friends again. It happens, you know, and if you're exploring faith here, thank you. And if we're talking like that, I'm, I'm really sorry. But Jesus spoke in clear language, in a way that people could understand. It was simple, it was clear, and it was life-changing. Our language is the opportunity to help people explore faith or to stop them searching further. So we need to know how to answer difficult questions, how to enter conversations wisely, how to speak clearly and concisely. And this is going to take time and learning. Maybe God's done something in your life. The greatest story we can ever share is how God changed our heart from the inside out. But how will you share that? If I came up to you and I said, hey, listen, are you a Christ follower? Yes, I am. How did it happen? What's he done in your life? Are we able to actually just articulate in a sensible way what Jesus has done in our hearts if we're Christ followers? You should be able to do that all the time. So think about that. Assessing, asking God for wisdom. But again, our speech is the power of life and death. And so it should make sense. And if I ever talk in Christians like that, you can also beat me up. In a kind way. With words that are seasoned with salt. 
Um, you know, I just love Paul's words here. And I just love how he's covered those four things. I think I'll come up next if you can just uh, do it, Dan, to just close, close off with. I really want us to be challenged and we're going to have communion together and then we're going to pray. I just really want us to look and say, Lord, which is most important? Possibly all of those for us, but which is most important for me today? Is it, is it my time with you? Is that I've let that become secondary? Is it focusing on God's kingdom? Is my focus just on the here and now, the short time we have on earth? Or is it actually on things that matter? Maybe it's living wisely each day. Maybe we just end up wasting time and, and that just passes by and we, we waste time in our, in, our, in our friendships. Or maybe finally it's just in how we speak and thinking about that. And so, so we can ask God for that. And we can, we can pray uh, into those sorts of things in a short bit. But I'd love us to get ready to uh, take communion. And communion, for those of you who don't know, um, the, the team can come and dish it out. I will explain to you that we have because of the fact that we don't have ways actually to clean stuff, and I couldn't actually import communion, cup, communion coffee, coffee cups. That would actually be very nice. Um, communion cups quick enough or, or just easy enough. I couldn't find them. We have disposable communion cups. So just so you know when they come to you, don't be freaked out by them. But the first little layer is a wafer, which is going to represent the bread. And the second layer is the part that we're going to drink. It's kind of freaky, but um, it works best, and it means that we don't have to clean this up. Those are going to get passed around. But why do we do communion? Now, you don't have to take communion at all. In fact, if you're exploring faith here today, sure, take the cup if you want to. But you don't need to take communion at all if you're just thinking about faith because this is something that Christ followers do. But the team is going to come and dish these out. And while they're doing that and you're looking at these, please don't open them. And it's a good thing that we didn't have kids here while we do this because um, it would get chaotic. And you can pass those around if you want. And, and um, host team, if you want, you can just pass them down the aisles and guys can loop them around. But why do we take communion? Well, I'm going to read it here while it's getting passed around. In 1, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26, look at what happens here. And I know that they're very funky, but try to keep quiet while you look at them. Okay, this is what the Apostle Paul said about why we take communion. Listen up to this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, when Jesus was about to be betrayed, he took bread, the wafer that's on the top part of yours. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus' body was broken for us. His body took on brokenness so we can experience in our bodies, healing now, healing for all eternity. His body restored all eternity. So ours can be as well. And then in the same way, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this blood and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when we drink the little wine, the juice, symbolizing Jesus' blood shed for us, we remember and we recognize that he paid a price. He was a sacrifice. His death, his blood shed was a sacrifice so that you and I can have life with him for all eternity so that our sins are paid for an acceptable sacrifice. And then notice this. Why do we take communion? Why do we do it now? For as often as you eat and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so what we're doing as we take this is we're saying, Jesus is coming back. He died and he rose again and we recognize it and we know it and we believe it. He's coming back and as Christ follows, we're going to live with him for all eternity. 
So thank you so much to the team for that. Um, I wonder if um, the band can come up while I take this, and then we're going to sing I Stand in All of You. You guys can have it while you're up here, but as long as you're ready. So this is what we're going to do. I should probably have one here. I won't freestyle. Can I steal one? Just throw it. Yeah, but don't you want one? It's okay. I'll just steal one of Mika. It's such a special thing. And we wanted to do this more and more, but we just had to wait for the stock to come, you know, as you have to do in Zimbabwe. Oh, Mika, I didn't play Zimbabwe cricket like you. Easy, easy. Thanks, you guys. We can still take communion, but we want to sing that stand in awe after we've done this. And so this is what we're going to do, just so you know. This does get peeled off the top layer. It's the top layer, and you should get a little wafer, which is Jesus' body, the bread. Just like that. I've never done this before, just so you know. I'm freestyling. So anyway, this little wafer which symbolizes Jesus' body broken for us. I want to pray for us. I want to take this together and remember that he was broken. He was whipped. He was beaten. He went through the most horrific suffering on the cross. He did it for you and I. And the result from the cross is actually a source. The cross is a source of healing for our bodies, a source of power in our bodies through Jesus, which is why it says in, in, in a few places, I think Peter quotes it, saying, by stripes we're healed. You can experience healing by prayer, by the power of the cross, as well as perfect bodies for all eternity, for Christ's body. It's incredible. Is it any suffering you might have in your body now? When you die and heaven is home, we experience perfect body forever. It's incredible. It's astounding. And so as we take this together, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your body broken for us. Thank you that you went through the most horrific suffering so that for all eternity, we don't have to. And so as we take this together, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for going to the cross for each of us. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Let's take that together. Thank you. Lord, we don't deserve what we get. Thank you that grace is the definition, as I shared earlier, of getting what we don't deserve. And in you, that's what we get. So we say thank you. And then next up, the next layer, apparently, that we take off. Look, you can get it off. Oh, I managed. Great. Just don't spill it everywhere. But that's fine. Ah. Oh. You guys are incredible. I just hear this. It's so quiet. So calm, nothing spilt yet. It's just amazing. So you can tell me if this works or not later, but the bottom line is you're doing it for Jesus, so it's okay. And so then Jesus did this, and Paul did this as well when he shared on it. And he said, this blood, this wine, this grape juice, it represents Jesus' blood shed for us. You know, before Jesus came, there were many sacrifices that had to be made to pay the price for sin, because God is perfect, as I've shared before, and we're not. There's a cost to our sin. And so before God said, hey, listen, a lamb or something else is a cost, you need to understand as people there's a cost to brokenness. But he said there's one coming who is perfect, who will be the perfect cost so that you don't have to. And so this blood was shed for your sin and mine so that you can be right with God now, heaven and be home. And so Lord Jesus, as we take this together, I want to say thank you for your bloodshed for us, your forgiveness poured out for us. So as we've covered in this series, we get to put on that red shirt. Instead of wearing a black shirt with our sin all over it, we put on this, this red shirt which demonstrates your life, 
in a sense, your blood shed for us. And so again, we just say, we just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that it's about what you've done, not about what we can do. But let's take this together and just say, thank you. I'd love us to stand. I know kids might be a little bit at the back, but I just want to sing that song about God being beautiful, wonderful, powerful, and us standing in awe of him. So should we stand together? We'll sing that together as we do this. So close.
you've never given your life to Christ, we've looked to him as the great king. And today in this moment, as we close, you can, in your own heart, you can just say, I recognize that I need you, Jesus. You died and rose again for me. I see, I felt it, I've experienced it today. I know I've got mess in my life. I wouldn't put on that red shirt. I want to say, yes, today I follow you. And you can do that right now. You can, you can do it. You can come chat to us afterwards. But it, it means saying, Lord Jesus, I believe. And once you believe, it changes everything. And so, Lord Jesus, for people like that right now from the crowd, I won't single you out. But if that's you, you can deep down in your heart right now and say, I recognize there's been a hole. There's something missing. I've been living for myself. And today, Lord Jesus, would you come in? Would you forgive me? I accept what you did on the cross. And I want to follow you as a disciple for the rest of my life. He'll change you. Jesus, in an instant, he makes you a new creation. Please come and talk to us afterwards. And if there's any other areas you've been dealing with, Father, I pray for people dealing with speech issues, lifestyle issues, habits that they're struggling to break. Thank you that it's by you and your power that you help us, not in our own strength, it's you. We want to draw on you this week and in the week ahead in your powerful, precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a special time together. Uh, there's tea, there's coffee outside. People, people you don't know, if you want to sign up for connect groups to find out more about exploring faith, anything like that, chat to the welcome team, Liam and Sarah and others at the back, Mika and Sasha, and otherwise have an amazing week ahead. Thanks for being with us. Cheers for now.